0: Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly abundantly and overflowing joy. Tonight, I want to talk to you about return to the fear of the Lord. And this is going to be part one. And I think it's a timely message to the body of Christ. So what I want to say to you this evening, I'm going to say in much love for you and much grace and truth, and I want you to understand that what I'm about to say is needful for you if you can understand the blessing in it. If you receive this as condemnation, you have not heard me clearly, because this is not a condemnation, but an exhortation to draw near to God. Now, in my personal experience, I have been grieved on several occasions sitting in the church because somewhere along the line, the fear of the Lord has been lost in America's churches. Let me explain. What is meant by the fear of the Lord? Well, it is to treat the Lord and the things of the Lord with deep respect. Let me be clear. It has nothing to do with being afraid or being scared of the Lord. Nothing. The fear of the Lord has to do with a deep reverence of the Lord and a deep respect of the Lord. Proverbs one seven says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs two verses four and five says speaking of wisdom. If you seek her, wisdom, and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Isaiah wrote in chapter 33, verse 6, in the Amplified Version, it says, And there shall be stability in your times, an abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is your treasure and his. In other words, when we have that holy and reverent fear of the Lord, it is a great treasure to you and to me and to the Lord. Of all Sundays in the calendar year, Resurrection Sunday is the most holy and special day of the year, at least it is to me. Uh... Yet I did not feel the presence of the Lord in a service that I preached, and worshipped. I was faced with people sleeping in the back and the front and a teenager twirling his girlfriend's hair, and another young man got up in the middle of my message, and he disturbed the people. Uh, he, As he tried to get out of the pew, he made them get out of the pew, and then when he came back, you know, it was the same repeat thing, and it was very distracting to me, but I think really, in essence, it was just a total irreverence as well as the lack of the presence of the Lord. When we are in the house of God, when we are in the sanctuary, it is the house of God. The sanctuary is not a conference room. It's not an auditorium. It's not a country club. Let me be clear. It's not a gymnasium where we can behave however we feel like it. It's God's house and it is holy. This atmosphere should be treated with great reverence, a place where the Holy Spirit should be welcomed, honored, and desired. Let me share a story. I think will help you understand. John Bevere, and by the way, I think he is the greatest Bible teacher of our time. I know a lot of you listen to probably Joyce Meyer, and she's a good Bible teacher, but John Bevere is a step above. He is really intense and accurate. He's an excellent teacher. I would encourage you to listen to him on YouTube or buy his books. So I'm going to share an experience that he had while he was in Brazil to minister. And so he says that the first service was held that evening in the capital city of Brasilia. And after a few short hours of rest, after he arrived there, his interpreter picked him up at the hotel and took him to the meeting. He said cars Crowded the parking lot in the streets, and he said I could see that the meeting was going to be well attended. As we approached the building, he says, I could hear music as it escaped through a five foot opening left for ventilation between the top wall and roof, and my own excitement and anticipation mounted as I listened to the music of the familiar praise courses being sung in Portuguese, the primary language of Brazil. Once inside, he says, I was ushered directly to the platform. The auditorium, which held about 4,000 people, was full. The platform was rocking with high-intensity praise music. The music quality was very good, for the musicians were skilled, and they flowed well together. The singing was also excellent. The leaders gifted with very good voices, yet I quickly noted a complete absence of the Lord's presence. As I scanned the crowd of musicians, I thought, where is God? So immediately I questioned, Lord, where is your presence? As I waited for his reply, I noticed what was happening in the building. Through the bright lights of the platform, I could see the people milling about. Many were bored, their hands thrust in their pockets. Everything about their body posture and countenance gave the appearance of a very casual crowd waiting patiently for a show to begin. Some talked to one another, others roamed the aisles, wandering in and out of the auditorium, and he said, I was grieved. This was a believer's conference. This wasn't an evangelistic outreach where you might expect all of that because the people are not believers in Christ. No, this was a believer's conference. He said, uh, I waited, hoping the people would enter into a true reverence of the Lord, and I thought, surely, this atmosphere will change. But it didn't. After 20 or 30 minutes, the music tempo slowed to what we call the worship songs. Yet what I witnessed was far from true worship. This same casual behavior I had observed when I entered the auditorium had moved forward into the service. When the song service ended, those present were told to sit down. They sat, but underlying the rumble of casual conversation continued. One leader took the microphone to exhort the people, yet the people talked on. The leader read from the Bible and taught. And the entire time, I heard the dull rumble of many voices speaking and many people moving about in the congregation. I also noticed many paying no attention to the speaker. I could scarcely believe what I was witnessing. In frustration, I turned to my Brazilian interpreter and asked if this behavior was normal for their service. He shared my disgust, and he said, Sometimes I have to address it and ask the people to please pay attention, he whispered. At this point, I was becoming angry. I'd been in other meetings where people behaved this way, but never to this magnitude. In each of those meetings, I had encountered a similar spiritual atmosphere, void of God's presence. I knew now that my question, Lord, where is your presence? had been answered. His presence certainly was not there. The Spirit of God then spoke to me and said, I want you to directly confront this. So uh, when he was finally introduced and the murmur had diminished some, but it was still present, he stepped to the podium. He said, I did not introduce myself or greet the crowd. Instead, I opened with this question. How would you like it if while you spoke with someone, they ignored you the entire time? or continued to carry on a conversation with the person next to them, or if their eyes roamed with disinterest and disrespect. I paused, then answered my own question. You wouldn't like it, would you? I probed further. Further. What if every time you rang the doorbell to visit a neighbor's house, you were greeted with a careless attitude and a monotone sigh? Oh, it's you again. Come on in. I paused, then added, you wouldn't visit them anymore, would you? Then I stated firmly, do you think the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to come into a place where he is not given due honor and reverence? Do you think the master of all creation is going to speak when his word is not respected enough to be listened to attentively? You're deceived if you do. I continued, tonight, when I walked into this building, I did not sense the presence of God at all, not in the praise, not in the worship, not in the exhortation, or during the offering. There is a reason. The Lord never comes where he is not reverenced. So I think that story makes my point. It can can look really good music's banging everyone's worshiping um singing you know as if this is a great great service but if there is no presence of the spirit of god what is the purpose everybody might as well go home and that's what john bevere experienced that's what i experienced on a very small scale Now, I'll conclude John's story with this scripture from Jesus, who actually quoted Isaiah when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What was Jesus saying when he said that? He was saying, you call me rabbi, you call me the healer, you call me the deliverer, but you don't know me. You don't have an intimate relationship with me. So you see, there needs to be a deep hunger for God's presence in the house of the Lord where you worship. I don't know what church you attend. I don't know what denomination you're part of. But I can tell you this, wherever you attend, whether you attend on a Friday night, a Saturday or a Sunday, there needs to be God's presence in the house of God. All true worship is anchored in a reverence for his presence. God says in Leviticus 19.30, You shall reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. You see, when the Lord is reverenced, his presence manifests, and people can receive salvation, healing, and deliverance. Now, we can easily slip into reducing the greatness of the Lord to the common terms and images that we are familiar with. The children of Israel roamed around the same place for 40 years. Oh, well, they did not glorify him as God. They did not give him the honor, the reverence, or the glory he deserved. What did they do? They constantly complained and had a critical spirit. While they were captive for those four hundred years in Egypt, they were surrounded by a society that worshipped golden images in the likeness of am- animals. Paul wrote in Romans 123 that they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Made like corruptible man. The modern-day church is surrounded by a culture that worships man. It's a totally self-centered, pleasure-seeking culture. You see, many in the church are quick to acknowledge Jesus as Savior, healer, friend. With their mouth, as Jesus said, they acknowledge his lordship, yet they reduce his glory To the level of corruptible man. How? By their actions and their heart attitudes. In Scripture, the people that God calls his friends are those who tremble at his word and presence and are quick to obey, no matter the cost. Do you obey the Lord when he tells you to go and make things right with your friend, with your neighbor, with your coworker? Do you obey him when he tells you to do good to those who are wicked towards you? Do you obey him quickly when he tells you to do what he wants you to do? No matter the cost? Isaiah tells us, God measures the universe with the span of his hand. I'm just going to give you a glimpse of this glorious God. I want to bring back into perspective who God is and how we fit into the picture. I want you to pause for a moment and ponder the boundless expanse of the universe. King David said that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Psalm 8.3 tells us that God arranged the stars of the heavens with his fingers. Light travels at the speed of 186,282 miles per second, not per hour, per second. Planes fly at 500 miles per hour. The moon, our moon is 239,000 miles from the Earth. If we traveled by plane to the moon, it would take 19 days, yet light reaches there in 1.3 seconds. The sun is 93 million miles from the Earth. If we boarded a jumbo jet and traveled to the sun, our journey would take over 21 years. Yet, light travels this distance in a mere 8 minutes and 20 seconds. The stars that you see at night with the naked eye are 100 to 1,000 light years away. A galaxy is a vast gathering of billions of stars. And if you don't know, we live in the Milky Way galaxy. The closest galaxy to our galaxy is the Andromeda galaxy, and its distance from us is approximately 2.31 million light years away. Mmm, that's a pretty fur piece. Now, scientists estimate there are billions of galaxies. I've just named two. Each of them loaded with billions of stars. And God can measure all this with the span of his hand. Do you get a glimpse of the vast nature of God? How omnipotent, how uh, omniscient, how, I mean, he is God and there is no other. The psalmist tells us that God counts the number of the stars, and he calls them all by name. Great is our Lord, and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Not only can he count billions and billions of stars, but he knows the names of each one. Solomon wrote and said this, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. And I would say amen to that. Now, I could go on talking about the uniqueness of the human body, all about the special cells, and how this great God created us so fearfully and wonderfully, even down to the tiniest molecules called atoms. Have you ever wondered where the atom gets its energy? And what force holds its energetic particles together? Well, scientists call it atomic energy. But you know, this is really just a scientific term to describe what they cannot explain. Ah, but the writer of Hebrews can explain it. Because the writer writes in chapter one, verse three, that God's son, Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. You see the universe, the vast universe, the billions and billions of galaxies and stars are being upheld by the word of God's power. And then Paul writes in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, he says, For by him, for by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things And in him, all things consist. I think you would agree. There is none like him. There is no greater power than God. There is no one smarter, no one more creative, no one with as much wisdom and truth, no one with greater compassion and love for mankind. He is our God. And the psalmist wrote, let everything that has breath praise the lord i'm going to close with these scriptures from 1 peter 1:13 1, through 21 and i think it kind of just sums it all up peter writes therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, oh no, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ." as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. So I think that it's pretty simple. We have to return to the fear of the Lord. We must come back to a place where we have this deep respect and this deep reverence for the Lord and for his presence. His presence is mandatory in our churches today. Without his presence, you might as well stay home. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, there is healing. In his presence, all things that God wants to do happens in his presence. And that's why we want to come with a very reverent attitude, respectful attitude, and and desiring and hungering for the presence of the Lord. I hope that makes sense to you. Because... I believe it's been lost. I've experienced it. There are very few churches left today where you can walk in and immediately sense the sweet presence of the Lord, where the Lord is cherished and he is desired and the people are hungry to be with him. That's what the church needs, the return of the fear of the Lord. So today, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to search your heart because, see, it starts with each one of you. Search your heart. Check your heart and check your attitude. You see, it's so easy to become lukewarm. Jesus said he, he didn't like that lukewarm church in Laodicea. No, he said, you know, you're neither hot nor cold, He said, you are lukewarm, and they were a very wealthy church. But the presence of the Lord was not there. They were casual about the things of God. They were lukewarm, and he said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Those are Jesus' words. So today is a day of repentance. You need to repent. If you've been lukewarm, if your attitude has been wrong if you have not been hungry and desirous of the presence of God. And my prayer is that you desire to know the Lord in a greater dimension and desire to know and understand the holy fear of the Lord. And I can tell you that that is impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. So I just say, Holy Spirit, come now. Come now, Lord. Come and touch your people. Fill them with that great desire to know you in a greater dimension and to understand the holy fear of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is Don Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. You can download the iHeartRadio app and go to podcasts called Pure Heart Ministries, and listen to this message again, 24-7. I'd love if you would um, email me. You can email me, all lowercase letters, dawn, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.today. Tell me what you think. And um, I always value and esteem your prayers for this ministry. Without prayer, nothing, nothing goes right. Nothing goes well without prayer. And certainly thank you for your continued giving toward this ministry. You can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. That's Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. Please help me stay on the air. I... Look forward to being with you again next week. I'm going to do part two of the return of the fear of the Lord. So I look forward to being with you next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom, peace be unto you.